you celebrate Thanksgiving. I hope you had a uh, wonderful one and a good time. If not, glad you're here. Glad you're watching live on YouTube or Facebook or watching by replay. So just thinking about uh, what I wanted to talk about today. And uh, I want it to be more uh, inspirational than informational. <laughs> I like the difference between those two words, information. Uh, there's one thing to be giving people information. Think about the word, right? To be informed, to be formed internally, uh, to be shaped or formed by something that's coming into you, right? So that's all about learning. That's all about sharing, you know, wisdom, understanding, knowledge, those kinds of things. And then there's inspiration, to be inspired, inspirited. It comes from the word spirit. And in the Latin, the word spirit, like, in Hebrew and in Greek, the word spirit, uh, pneuma, ruach, ruach in Hebrew, pneuma in Greek. We get the word spirit in English from Latin. It's all about the breath. It's all about really uh, an intaking of life, something that, that moves us, motivates us. And... Both of them are important. It's, it's, it's important to be informed, but it's also maybe overlooked the importance of being inspired, being in brief, being in spirited, right? Because inspiration can motivate us to action. Inspiration can motivate us to change or to transformation. And I really like this time of year, not just for the holidays. And I'm not really a winter, a winter guy living in Colorado. I am actually embracing winter this year. I'm actually embracing the cold and the snow and the shorter days and the longer nights and embracing all the energies of winter. But normally I'm not a winter guy. <laughs> Having grown up here and preferring um, large bodies of water like the ocean, preferring warmer weather, I have often, uh, when I've lived here, thought I, this is the time of year that I would really like to be you know, someplace like Southern California or someplace like Florida or uh, even someplace like Phoenix, Arizona, right? Give me palm trees. Give me warmth. Um, I don't like this cold. I don't like this winter stuff. <laughs> and even the holidays sometimes, like for many people, I don't want to embrace. It's not something that I have always looked forward to. There have certainly been holiday seasons that were not exceptional, not something to look forward to. I, I can definitely relate to people who get uh, maybe depressed during this time of year or they get, you know, financially stressed out with Christmas coming up and they don't have enough money to stretch or make the ends meet or they're missing loved ones. People that used to be part of their holidays aren't with them anymore Maybe because they died, maybe because they moved away, maybe because you're estranged, estranged because of some kind of falling out. I mean, there's lots of reasons not to embrace this time of year or not to like this time of year. But it's different for me right now. It's different for me. I'm, I'm embracing the change of season. I'm embracing the longer nights. I'm embracing the colder weather and I'm embracing this upcoming holiday season. And so, as we move from Thanksgiving, I, I like the rhythm of it. I want you to think with me about the rhythm of it. Uh, we go from Thanksgiving, and regardless of how the holiday 
has its origins. Um, you know, I know there's uh, a pushback against celebrating Thanksgiving because of colonialism and all that stuff. And I understand that. I want to be, I don't want to be insensitive to that. But regardless of that, of, of its origins, it takes on a meaning of what Derek Day and I talked about on Freeology Friday about sharing a sacred meal together, sharing life, having communion. Uh, you have to go back and watch that one where we talk about the sacredness of food and sharing food and sharing a meal. And so there's that element of it. There's getting together, but there's it, it, it causes us to at least for one day be mindful of what we have to be thankful for. Our our brains automatically have a negativity bias because of evolution. In other words, your brain is going to focus on what's wrong. Your brain is going to focus on what's negative. Or your brain is going to focus on what is a threat out there. Because if you think about this from an evolutionary standpoint, that threat could potentially kill you. (laughs) So your brain is wired to pay attention to the threat out of the need for survival. The problem that we have as modern people is that we pay attention to a lot of things that are threatening for other people but aren't necessarily threatening for us. With 24-hour news cycles and with social media, we know what's going on in the world more than at any other time in the history of the world, right? We know about what's going on in the Middle East. We know about what's going on in the Ukraine. We know about every single uh, mass public shooting. or uh, and, and so we're constantly, if, if we're doom scrolling, we're constantly feeding our mind and feeding our spirit and feeding our life with negativity and with threats. And this can cause us to be even more focused on the negative than we would be naturally inclined to do because our brains have a negativity bias. In fact, uh, media, whether it's social media or legacy media or mainstream media, whatever you want to call it, or fringe media, takes advantage of this negative uh, negativity bias in order to get our attention. There are a lot of people who use you know, their platforms, whether it's Twitter or Facebook, and they will promote negativity, promote arguments and things like that because they'll get more clicks and more following and therefore there's more money attached to it because negativity gets our attention. So I want you to really think about that with me. Uh, negativity gets our attention. We're wired that way. And so, again, how many of us can spend time on our phones, on our computers, on our TVs, just sort of doom scrolling, right? And so this can create for us an atmosphere of negativity. So if nothing else, (laughs) we have a day, a holiday that we celebrated this last Thursday where hopefully we turn all that stuff off, where we're not sitting around the Thanksgiving table doom scrolling or looking at our phones, but we're actually talking and connecting and connecting over food that has been uh, 
made with love or bought with love and we're and we're so we're sharing time together and we're communing and we're sharing love with one another and it's a sacred time and then we have to be mindful of what are those things that I have in my life to be thankful for right and so as watch the rhythm of this we're coming out of fall and into winter so we're in that transitional period where darkness reigns where darkness rules <laughs> over the day right because the days get shorter and the nights get longer and so we're moving into winter we're moving into the cold we're moving into a time of where the ground goes fallow where things die where things become quiet, right? And then we're approaching Christmas or the holidays, however you choose to celebrate them, whatever you choose to call them. I'm from a very traditional Christian family, so for us it's always Christmas. And But you're also, you know, Christmas is set around the winter solstice, you know, the darkest day of the year, the year with the least amount of light, when we're moving away from the sun. And then about a week later, we have New Year's. It's a new year. I love the rhythm of it, figuring out what we're thankful for, and then embracing the darkness, embracing death, if you will. And I'll explain what I mean by that. I'm not speaking literally. Just talking about the rhythm. Letting go of the old. Because then we have New Year's, right? Letting go of the old. And I know people that probably a lot of us think that, you know, New Year's resolutions are hokey or cheesy or corny or we don't like to think about them because we make them and we never keep them. But I do and I always have thought there was something about the momentum because with the winter solstice, it's the end of the reign of night, if you will. It's the end of the reign of darkness, and it signals that spring is on the way, that new life is on the way, that summer is on the way. Even though it gets here, especially it gets colder in January, the days do begin to stretch out <coughs> after the winter solstice. We have fallen into darkness and something new is rising, right? So then hopefully for us, the new year gets us thinking ahead, gets us planning ahead, gets us looking for something in the future. And so I love the rhythm of this time. And so I just want to invite you to think about, I'm going to invite you today to think about the power to transform your life, the power to really authentically change in a very meaningful way that you choose to do with intention. I want to encourage you that whatever things there are about yourself, if you're breathing, if you're inspirited, if you're alive, no matter what, happened in your past or what your present situation is like, that you can, by simply setting an, intent, an intention, begin a pathway 
to a new future for you, to a pathway you can look down the road a year from now, three months from now, six months from now, five years from now, and you can imagine for a second a totally different version of you, a new you with a new life, with a different life, with a slightly adjusted life, and you can think about time and space in this way. You can think, okay, three months from now, six months from now, a year from now, there is a version of me out there. <coughs> Excuse me. And whatever that gap is that you that you say of time, between that new version or different version of you and the you that's here now, who is the you that you're going to meet out there? Who's the you that you're going to meet in a year or five years or three months? And how are you going to close that gap? What needs to happen in your life today in order for you to close the gap and meet that other you? Or what do you need to do today to create a totally different timeline for you? I mean, the multiverse is within your reach. You can you can create a different version of you, a different version of your life, if you exert the right application of power and decision-making and prophetic vision for yourself today. So I think I put a title on today, something about prophetic vision and one of my favorite verses to preach from, <clears throat> and I did it a lot, was Proverbs uh, 29.18, where there is no vision, the people perish. The NIV says, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. <clears throat> the word there specifically means prophetic vision. So what is prophetic vision? Well, when we were in the charismatic stream, in the charismatic movement, prophetic vision was... Any word from the Lord, any revelation that came from spirits or came from the Father, came from above. It said this is how the future is supposed to be, because prophetic vision should have to do with the future, right? But yet we were still subject to whatever was the will of uh, God, whatever was the will of the Spirit, whatever was the word that came, that's what we were supposed to do. That's what we were to conform and shape our lives to. And some of us were really good at this. And I was pretty good at this. If I got a prophetic word or a prophetic leading, I would go all in in that direction. And then I would work using faith, using belief, using positive speaking, mental Mentations, imagination, imagining the future, uh, commitment, action, all of that to move in the direction of that prophetic word. But again, still just kind of subject to that. Yet that principle of having a vision for the future or the vision for a different future motivated action, motivated restraint. Because it forced a decision. So I talked about the term information or inspirit or inspire, but decide, decision to cut. A decision is to cut off other alternatives, other options. When you make a decision, when you, when you sit down, I mean, something as simple as going out to eat and you sit down 
to order from a menu and the waitress or the waiter comes up and they say, what do you want? You have to pick that, let's just say that one item on the menu, which means you have to cut off every other option. So if I say I'm going to have a cheeseburger, then I cut off the option for, um, you know, a chicken sandwich or I cut off the option for a sub sandwich or I, I, I eliminate every other option. That's a power and difficulty with making a decision because when I make it, when I decide I am choosing something, but in order to choose something, I have to cut off every other option. And so that's this process of making a New Year's resolution. That's this process of having prophetic vision, of having vision for the future. The difference now is that we don't have to sit around and wait for a word from the Lord. We can, God, my hair is driving me nuts today. We can give ourselves that own, our own word. We can give ourselves our own vision, right? And by that I mean, again, looking out at a future version of ourselves, looking out at a future version of our lives and asking ourselves, what is it that we have to cut off? In other words, where do we have to apply restraint? If we have that vision, if we have that goal, if we have that target before us, and we're inspired, we're motivated to go get it, and we have belief that we can achieve it, then that requires that we restrain ourselves towards the goal. We restrain ourselves from participating in any other pathway that's not going to get us to the outcome that we want. We we apply restraint. So where there is no revelation, where there is no vision, the people <clears throat> perish or the people cast right. If you don't have a vision of a future you or you don't have a vision of where you're going to be and where you're going, then you are just a victim to happenings. You are going to be tossed by whatever is happening around you. And particularly in this world and particularly in this next year, as we're moving into a election cycle and election year, we're moving into the time when Americans lose their mind and lose relationships and lose friendships because we're more dedicated to a um political leader than we are to people that we break bread with. Somebody that doesn't even know about us or care about us in any way, shape, or form, but we they convince us that they're the lesser of two evils. They convince us that they're going to uphold our agendas. And so not only do we vote for them, but we put signs out and we divide with one another. We divide on social media, and then it just goes crazy. And every election cycle, we feel like we're choosing the lesser of two evils. That's because media and political campaigns are feeding on your negativity bias. It's not the, it doesn't matter who ran for office. If there's a campaign, it's going to paint the other person in a negative light because that's what's going to get your attention. And that's why we always feel like we're making, having to make a choice between the lesser of two evils. So we're getting ready to move into that kind of crazy season. And I have a feeling this year is going to be even crazier than others, even more divisive than others. And so it's super, super important for us then that we have 
a course that we are on. Because if we have no prophetic revelation, if we have no prophetic vision, if we have no future uh, vision of who we are becoming and how our life is going to be, then we put ourselves, we take ourselves completely out of the space of being at cause. We take ourselves completely out of a space of working any kind of magical actions or alchemy upon our lives, and we put ourselves completely, we take ourselves out of the driver's seat, and we put ourselves completely out of fact, we put ourselves at a position where it is easier to be victimized, where we are simply then become the byproduct of our culture, we become the byproduct of powers that are too big for us, a world that's too big for us to change, uh, and all these other situations and scenarios, and and then we meet a future self that has been shaped not by us or by our intentions or by our actions or by our choices or by our decisions or by our restraints, but has been shaped for us by the people and the forces around us. And at the end of the day, we really can't point the finger at other people and play the victim as much as we want to because it's our own lack of vision. It's our own lack of prophetic vision for the future that is really at the root of of the cause anyway. And so what I want to say is let's embrace the energies and the movements and the powers of this season. Aaron, what are you talking about? I'm saying let's in, let's make a inventory of our lives about what's positive, what we have to be thankful for, what we have to be grateful for. Because when we understand what we have to be grateful for, it allows us to see the polarities in our life. It allows us to create a contrast in our life and say, I'm thankful for these things, but that also means there are other areas that I am not thankful for. There are some things that didn't make that list. And that contrast begins to give me vision. That contrast begins to open my eyes for me. If I'm just sitting around constantly bitching and moaning and complaining about everything outside of myself and everything about my life and the way I've been treated and the way people have treated me, then, you know, There's no contrast. But when I can focus on what I'm grateful for, then I create the kind of contrast that is empowering where it says, okay, it's not all bad. I'm, it's not all horrible. All is not lost. I don't have to lay down on the battlefield and just give up and quit in life, right? I have things that I am grateful for. I have things that I'm thankful for. It allows me to take an inventory of my resources. I'm thankful for the relationships that are in my life. I'm thankful for the support of my family and of my friends. I'm grateful for the opportunities to make money that I have. I am thankful for whatever it might be. I'm thankful for life. I'm thankful for the age that I am and that I still have plenty of runway in front of me. Or I'm thankful for the age that I am and the wisdom that I've gained because even though I may not have as much runway ahead of me as I used to, I will be more efficient in using this runway because I know more about life. And so I don't need as much time to learn from life. Or I'm going through a difficult situation, but it's teaching me something. I'm growing. I'm learning. See, I'm making inventory of my life and those things and I'm grateful for. And then I can embrace the death of winter. Then I can embrace the darkness of it. What do I mean by that? Here's what I mean. So many of, we live in a culture of shaming. That's another thing that is part of the negativity bias that is out there. Now, in other words, we do not 
allow for people to make mistakes, learn from their mistakes, and grow and change from those mistakes as a person or as a human being. Now, you may do this with people that you're close to in your life, but I'm just saying as a general rule, uh, think about this is the whole thing behind cancel culture. Um, if I were to say to you, uh, now I don't even want to do that because I don't want to participate in it, but think about people that have made mistakes. And, you know, they might have been big mistakes. Maybe they, um, you know, said the wrong word or were with the wrong type of person. Or maybe they made big mistakes, right? And they just become punished for those mistakes. They become remembered for those mistakes. And people just love to pile on with shame and condemnation, right? Their anger, their outrage. We are such an outraged society. And so you're outraged about stuff that didn't even affect you. You're outraged about stuff that did not affect you at all. Taking up other people's offenses, right? And then just generating negativity, (laughs) With your platforms or your podcasts or your posts, like leave people alone, man, especially if it's none ya. <laughs> especially if it's none your business, especially if it didn't directly affect you or impact you. Now, I'm not saying that you can't advocate for others and social justice issues. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm just talking about the, 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 this thing that does not allow for us or allow for other people to disconnect from their mistakes, learn from their mistakes and move on and become a different person. And so you might be at a point in your life or at a season in your life where you look back at your past as the cause of your present. In other words, your present situation is the sum total of your past choices. And you look at your past choices and it causes you to feel negatively about yourself. It causes you to feel regret. It causes you to feel ashamed. It causes you to feel bad. It causes you to lay down with self-loathing. It causes you to lay down with self-hatred. You may have made mistakes and had things happen that nobody else knows about, that you, that, that, you know, you haven't told people about, people in your life don't know about. <clears throat> Be thankful for that, you know? But you use that as a weapon. You weaponize your past against yourself. People will weaponize your past against you. People will weaponize your mistakes against you. Instead of them being learning opportunities, instead of them being opportunities for growth and change, instead of people coming around people like that and supporting them and helping them to grow and change and being faithful and sticking with them, we just we cancel each other. We we disconnect from each other. We cut off from each other. We don't have conversations. We're not open to other points of view. We just want to prove wrong and, and shame you and 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 then lie about you and gossip about you and spread rumors about you, right? Like it's the gospel. Maybe you're in that kind of a situation. But regardless, you you could be, and then you just weaponize your past against yourself. You weaponize it to use it for self-loathing, for self-shaming, for just laying down on the battlefield and not getting back up, right? And so we think about ourselves based on the past version of ourselves. We think about our life based on the mistakes that we make. We think about where we're at that we don't want to be as the byproduct of choices that we made as though cause and effect only works from past to present. And this concept of where there is no vision, people cast off restraint. Where there is no vision, people perish. Or this concept that you get a hold of a different future version of yourself 
it turns that on its head. And it says there is a cause in the future that's pulling me in my present. There is something about the future that ex- is, is exerting a power of cause and effect on me right now. It's not just the, that I'm the effect of my past. And so embracing the winter season, embracing the darkness, embracing the death might involve completely mentally and emotionally disconnecting from your past and getting over it. Stop weaponizing your mistakes. Stop weaponizing other people's mistakes. Stop preventing your own growth by laying around in regret and thinking about woulda, coulda, shoulda, and if I'd have only done this different or if I'd have only done that different. Doesn't matter how bad you messed up. Doesn't matter the level of your mistakes. The only one that can keep you down is you, right? You can make something better of yourself. You can make something better of your life, but not until you finish with the past, not until you let the leaves on your tree die and dry up and fall off and get blown away. Not until you, and so that's this idea of embracing the darkness, embracing the death of winter, embracing the energies of the season and saying, okay, I am here and maybe I am here because of choices that I made or I am here because of choices I made and other people made, but I'm setting a different course. But in order to set a different course, I've got to have at least some idea or some sense of where I'm going. You don't have to have it all. You don't have to have the full blueprint. In fact, you won't get it. But you have to have a target. You have to say, this is the life that I want. This is the life that I'm going to have. You probably have no idea how you're going to get there. And the bigger the gap, the bigger the gap, in other words, the bigger the question of how in the heck do I get there, the greater the potential and possibility for you to change. And you don't have to know the how. The how will show up. It is possible. There is this thing called retrocausality that has been studied in laboratories that demonstrates beyond any statistical doubt that future actions affect present situations. I'm going to say that again. Retrocausality says that future actions affect present circumstances and present situations. So sometimes all I have to do is have a general idea of this is where I want to be. This is what I want my life to be like in a year, five years, six months, whatever. This isn't goal setting. I'm not talking about something like just setting goals. I want to make more money next year. Uh, and this amount of money. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a good start. Or I want to uh, go on, see these different locations. I'm not talking about your bucket list. I'm not talking about your goals. I'm talking about the you that you're going to meet in six months. I'm talking about the you that's out there in the future six months, the you that's out there in the future in a year, the you that's out there in the future in five years. Who are you going to meet in six months? Who are you going to become in a year? I'm talking about remaking, remodeling, renewing, revitalizing, refashioning yourself. And nobody knows you like you. And nobody has the power to change your experience of your experiences like you do. You are the most powerful person in your life. And you do not have to be at the place of effect. You can be at the place of cause, but only if you begin to get a future revelation of who you are to be or who you want to be 
and you don't have to have all the hows, and you don't have to have all the notes, you don't have to have all the information, you just have to have the inspiration to get up and say, okay, I'm going for a new day. I'm going for a new day. I'm going for a new me. I'm going for a new Aaron. I'm going for a new Aaron in a new place, in a new set of circumstances, and I'm going to apply my resources, those things that I'm grateful for, I'm going to apply those resources to my present as I move in the direction of my future. And I'm going to believe that there is some kind of retro causality and just the very fact that I'm imagining and envisioning a new me, that I'm imagining and envisioning a new future and a new reality, that I'm setting my intention towards it, that I'm getting up today and saying, okay, that's the direction I'm moving towards. I am exercising restraint. I am cutting off other options. I am settling it. This is the direction that I'm going. This is how it's going to be. Come hell or high water, no matter what kind of opposition comes against me, I am going to find within myself the metal. I'm going to find within myself the inspiration to keep going, to keep plowing, to overcome the opposition, to make sure that I'm doing the things today that I need to do to ensure for myself the tomorrow that I'm envisioning. But if you have no vision, you will perish. If you have no vision, you will become uh, the 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 byproduct of the vision of other people around you. If you have no vision, you will cast off restraint because you have no motivation or inspiration to show the restraint that you have to show today to get to the you that you want to be tomorrow. So this is a very deep and powerful, magical and alchemical process. And so we embrace the winter, we embrace the darkness. Listen, darkness and the energies of darkness, there are energies, there are spiritual energies in the darkness. There is power in the chaos. And I'm not talking about malevolent things here. I'm not talking about evil spirits and all this. I'm saying that there's also the darkness that is in the womb <laughs> that you originated in the darkness before you came into the light. That even in the scripture, it's evening and then morning, the new day. The new day begins at night. The new day begins in the dark. That means that the new day begins by you not necessarily being able to see perfectly all that you need to see that, or that you're going to see. Or you don't have to have the perfect plan, like I said. Or you don't have to be able to see exactly where it is that you're going. And so for some of us, we need to embrace the the energy. God, that little piece of hair, man. <laughs> it's so annoying to me. We, But you see what I'm saying? Like embracing the energies of the dark, embracing the energies of chaos. You know, so many of the, um, of so many of our myths about devils and, Satan, or whether it's the Egyptian god Set, or whether it's Tiamat, or whether it's Lotan, or whether it's Leviathan, whether it's Lilith, these, these dark images and figures, these, these gods that were to be feared, these gods that were considered destructive and evil, were also the lords of chaos. And so society teaches us to shun chaos for order because if we don't have order in society then we don't we aren't able to keep 
the masses in check. We aren't able to keep them in line. So much of life is dictated to us, and we get upset if we don't conform, and we seek the order. We seek the security of that which is ordered. We seek the security of that which is established. We seek the security of that which is predictable. And that's all, again, part of evolution and part of our negativity bias. But for this kind of transformation, all transformation actually, requires some level of deconstruction. I can't have the new unless I first deconstruct the old. It just doesn't work that way. I just I don't just move into the new without letting go of something, without making a decision, without cutting other stuff off, right? And so embracing the chaos and not being afraid of the chaos and not backing off from the chaos, but realizing that the chaos is the canvas. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth by speaking a word, right? But in the beginning, the canvas upon which he created was the canvas of chaos. The earth was formless and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of <coughs> the face of the darkness. And God said, let there be light. So it began in the dark. It began in, began in the dark and watery chaos, which is exactly how life begins in the womb. And so this is the last little piece that I want to share with you today to inspire you. There's a verse in Zechariah chapter four that says, do not despise the day of small beginnings. And I want to tell you, do not despise the day of small beginnings because everything that has life and sustainability and substance, everything begins small. Everything begins small. Everything begins as a seed. Everything that has life begins as a seed. You began as a seed. You began as an embryo. Everything that has life and is sustaining and has value has to be nurtured and has to be cultivated and starts out small. It does not start out full grown and mature. And if it does, then it doesn't really have life or the power to give to you consistent and sustainable fruit in your life. You didn't pop out of the womb a full-grown, wise human being. You were a complete body. <laughs> Your body was completely fashioned in the womb. And when you became a complete body, you came out of the womb. But you still had to learn. And you still had to grow. And you learned and you, you grew <clears throat> You grew through mistakes. You learned to walk by falling down. You learned to ride a bike by falling down. You learned to read by repeating something over and over and over again. You, you, you weren't reading a novel the first day you learned your ABCs. You, you had to spend time in repetition and song just to learn the ABCs. And, and, and so, so many of us will start on a new venture towards change and self-transformation or changing and improving something in our lives. And we, we violate this law of despising not small beginnings or realizing that if it's powerful, life-giving and sustainable and truly magical, you know, we think if it's magical, it's got to happen instantly. That's that's stage, that's that's stage magic. Real magic is unlocked by operating in these laws of sort of sowing and reaping and realizing that I've got to plant something, I've got to cultivate something, I've got to work at something, I've got to work with something, I've got to cultivate something inside myself. And maybe I am just singing the ABCs, and maybe there are people that are way out ahead of me in life that are reading War and Peace. 
But I can't get discouraged because I see that person over there reading War and Peace and I'm still memorizing my ABCs. Do you, I hope, I hope this is making sense to you. I stick with the ABCs. I stick with a pig can jig, which was the first book that I got in kindergarten that I learned to read from until I can read, you know, Jack and Jill went up a hill. And I'm content to understand these are the laws of progress. And I don't try to jump ahead or violate the laws of progress, but I work with the laws of progress. But more importantly, I do not allow myself to become discouraged and quit because I don't understand or work with the laws of progress. I don't, I don't allow myself to get discouraged and quit because I do not understand the laws of progress. Instead, I work with the laws of progress and I say, okay, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm better than I was yesterday. Or maybe I'm not better than I was yesterday, but I know something and I've learned something and I've picked up something. And if nothing else, I have demonstrated strength of will. I have demonstrated determination because even though I'm not better than I was yesterday at this thing or with this thing, I am not giving up. I have put my hand to the plow and I am not looking back and I'm moving forward into a future. So I want to inspire you today. I want to invite you today to take inventory of your life. Find out the things that you're thankful for. Find out the things that are positive in your life. Kick butt on that negativity bias that is in your mind. Stop the doom scrolling. Stop the negativity. Quit punishing yourself over your past. Quit lying down with regret and quit thinking about yourself as simply the byproduct of all the forces around you that you cannot control or you cannot influence or the byproduct of your decisions or someone else's decisions from your past. Get a radical idea about how you want your life to be or who you can be and who that person is that you are moving towards at the speed of one second per second. We're all time travelers. We're all moving into the future at the speed of one second per second or one minute per minute or one hour per hour. We're all moving at the same speed. But there is a you out there in the future that you are about to meet. And what is that you? Who is that you going to be like? And you get to decide. You get to have some power in this. You get to have some influence over this. And you can set your intention to say, this is how it's going to be. Get prophetic vision. Get vision for yourself. Get vision for your life. Get vision for your future. And you don't have to wait on some God to tell you what it is or worry or wonder about what the will of that one is. Who do you want to be? How do you want it to be? Get some vision for that for the future and start to imagine it and start to cultivate it and start to work with it. And make a commitment to it. Cut off all the other options. Settle it. No matter what, this is what's going to happen. This is how it's going to be. I'm going to show restraint. I'm going to cut off every other possible future me that I could see. And I'm going to move towards that one and then begin to plan and think about you. Again, you don't have to have it all. Begin to plan and think about what can I do? What do I need to do in order to cultivate this kind of change? And so, you know, one of, one of the things that I plan on doing in January once we get through the holidays, is offering more course material or content to help people understand some of the things that you can use to create change, alchemical principles of how you can change yourself, not just at a mental cognitive level, not just at a level of behavior, but at a very deep energetic 
level, looking at the human energy field and the human energy systems and how do we work with the energies around us in order to transform our energetic signature because when we transform our energetic signature and we begin to vibrate at that frequency and we begin to vibrate at that level, we send out something that causes our reality to shift. And when our reality shifts, that means that what we had before has to deconstruct. That means that there will be opposition. That means that there will be pressure. But that is the old world giving way. Don't give up on the new world because you're so discouraged by what you're seeing in front of you. Fix your eyes not on what is seen, but that which is unseen. And moving out into that future self. So I hope that this has been inspirational for you. I hope this has been empowering and impactful for you. I know it's been inspirational, empowering, and impactful for me. So I want to thank you for spending your time with me today, for watching this. Uh, if you haven't subscribed to my YouTube channel, please go out to YouTube and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Uh, hit like, comment, all that stuff to help with the algorithms. That's a way that you can really help me. If you haven't joined the New Day Global Facebook group, private group, uh, then you can do that as well. If this has inspired you in some way, if this has helped you in some way, please consider making uh, a donation. Some of you are making recurrent donations, and I really deeply appreciate you for that. So you might consider just going into our PayPal link. The PayPal link is there in the description, and just donating to New Day Ministries, <laughs> doing business as the Awakening Center, so that we can do more of this kind of stuff. Um, in the future to help people and inspire people. So anyway, hope you had a great Thanksgiving. Hope you have a great rest of your day. If you're a football fan, I hope your team wins unless you uh, are a Cleveland Brown fan today, in which case I don't hope that your team wins because that's what the Broncos are playing. So anyway, uh, again, thanks for being with me. Really appreciate you. Appreciate everyone that has supported us. Um, by the way, had an opportunity to meet with uh, uh Sandra Whitley and her husband David yesterday they were in Colorado and we got to meet um Sandra's you know faithfully watched and uh it's just so good to sit down and your tribe and find your people and actually have a sacred meal together and stuff and so I want to give them a shout out and just say if any of y'all are ever in Colorado um don't be afraid to look us up we'd love to have the opportunity to meet people in person and uh, one of the things we talked about yesterday was planning an event maybe uh, where those of us that want to, if we could find some kind of centralized location or something where we could just meet and uh, do a conference and just, you know, get to know each other and have some of the people there and share and grow and learn together and could be really cool. So anyway, have a great, wonderful rest of your day.